0: Hello and welcome to a joyful pause podcast. I'm so excited that you're listening in today as I speak with Janessa Mondestin. Hey, Janessa, how are you?
1: Hey, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, well as I can be in this That's very right. moment. I hear you. Let me tell our listeners a little bit about you. 13 years ago, Janessa received a diagnosis for lupus, an autoimmune condition that motivated her to recommit to wellness. Yoga Asana was a way for Janessa to balance her weekend warrior athletic events and the stress from corporate banking. Over time, yoga and Ayurveda became a central part of her life, both professionally and personally. She left corporate banking to teach yoga and wellness as an adjunct professor for Stevens Institute of Technology in Hoboken and adjunct faculty of Uncommon Charter School in Newark, New Jersey. Today, Janessa is the Director of People and Culture at Yoga International, liaison for Yoga International Espanol, talent advocate and business coach in the yoga sphere, founder of Soulthentic Yoga Registered, I'm sorry, founder of Soulthentic Yoga Registered Yoga School. She is also one of the top 20 teachers of color for 2020 and was awarded the title of yoga ambassador by India's travel ministry and prime minister in 2018. Janessa is a practicing yoga therapist who is developing a safe space for women wellness and that's called the Soma Yoga Center. Janessa's experience as a first generation American born daughter of immigrants, a sexual assault survivor who un- overcame racial, cultural and gender based adversity grief, and loss inform her focus on serving the public with a sense of healing, resiliency, and authenticity. Yes. Oh, I love all of the strings of um, the wisdom traditions that you're pulling together. That totally lights me up.
1: Right? That's so true. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on. This is a a tremendous, tremendous honor to be on here with you.
0: Thank you. Um, So yeah. As we've said in other podcasts, um, really what this first kind of series of episodes is about is how do we bring our spiritual practice to bear on what we're seeing in the world right now? And in case you're listening to this much later, what we're seeing in the world right now is America, or at least a larger swath of America, is waking up to the systemic racism and the way that white supremacist values have been embedded into every system of our society, and the catalyst for that, um, the catalyst for that awakening, is the horror that most humans felt when they saw George Floyd being killed um, by police, and that came right on the heels of both Brianna Taylor and Ahmad Arbery being killed. Um, as well so hello puppy yes (laughs) there they go sorry about
1: that
0: (laughs) no worries um i feel like they're in solidarity with us about how that is jacked up and um and helping us enter that question of how does your spiritual worldview help you to make sense and meaning out of what we're seeing right now You know, um,
1: it's a it's it's a it's almost an every moment by moment practice. Because I feel like I can put my head down and do an activity, go to work, push the ball forward, I get out of my, you know, head down movement and listen to the news, go on social, and something else has happened. <laughs> you know, another travesty if it wasn't about um, George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery, it was COVID-19 and hearing how you know disproportionately disparages black and brown communities mm-hmm. and then going to work in places where it's mostly white spaces who are not facing the same, who are facing the same issues but not handling it quite the same and um, trying to find that oneness and that wholeness so that I can show up And speak for all the different multitudes of people that I feel like I stand I stand in front of I stand on their shoulders of right and Mm -hmm. I stand for so um, my spiritual practice during these really uncertain times has been practicing throughout the day breaks to get real and get clear with myself starting the day with meditation um, actually in, in Truth be told, I start my day with prayer because I'm a, I'm a mm-hmm. practicing Muslim woman. And we start very early in the morning with prayer. Mm-hmm. And I go immediately into my meditation practice so that I can be clear about what's happening in my body and on my mind. Because sometimes things that's on my mind shows up physically. And I'm not really being aware because I'm so busy trying to get to the next thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and getting really clear about where, where I am at that very moment. That's how I've been trying to put my practice, my spiritual practice of yoga and meditation, which to me sometimes is it's almost synonymous. <laughs> it is synonymous to me, is um, getting clear, several breaks throughout the day, literally scheduling me in, scheduling that time in, particularly before I'm going to a meeting, particularly before I speak to someone, um, and making sure that I'm clear and accountable for what I say and what I do. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at.
0: I really, uh, appreciate that idea of making time throughout the day to turn inward. Um, it's exactly what a joyful pause is about. It's how can I take that dip that I get into deeper consciousness when doing meditation? How do we make space to do that throughout the day? So I love that you're intentional about that. I think it's the intentionality that can help, um, Help us not to drown both in the emotion of kind of this change that we're seeing mm-hmm. um, and also to support our nervous systems. I mean, I, I recall this article that I read a couple of years ago that was talking about um, hypertension in African-Americans being something that you know we might see in the media as oh it's about the diet and Mm -hmm. in some instances that may be true but what this person was saying that to be black in america is to be walking around with your nervous system taxed because of the constant racism that you're facing in all the myriad big and sometimes small ways that nevertheless add up you know so this idea of building in time and space to reset, um, Mm -hmm. I think is so important for everybody, but I think it's a million times more important um, for people, for black women and men. So um, when you talk, when you think about um, this idea of, you know, making time throughout the day, um, can you get a little more granular? Like what are you, what are the practices that really support you in mm-hmm. being able to both digest the changes that we're seeing mm-hmm. and then also um, in your role as both people and culture director at Y i but also um, with your with your clients as um, a yoga therapist how how are you? Get, like, help me get a little bit more granular about the types of things mm-hmm. that you do so that people can kind of hear that and, and maybe add some of those things to their own toolkit.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And, and it always goes back to breath work. Mm. <laughs> breath work, breath work, yeah. breath work. And what I mean by breath work is it is the awareness of where is your breath, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I am a big proponent of seven, seven minutes. That's what I need. Um, I, I'm usually at work or before a client, I try to get in about seven minutes before my, my time that I'm supposed to arrive. And um, I try to get situated for seven minutes. And situated means I'm aware of, I'm asking myself the questions of, where is my breath at this moment? Mm-hmm. And if I can't seem to trace my breath, it becomes a breath tracing practice. Like, oh, I, don't, I know I'm breathing, obviously I'm alive, but where I'm breathing into inside of my body, how expansive, where is that expansion coming from? These are the questions that I ask to help guide my awareness practice. Um, I'm a very big, um, probably because because I'm from New York and New York City, and you always gotta race for a train some way, somehow. <laughs> but um, you're always in fight or flight mode in New York. I always felt that way, on top of being A black Muslim woman in New York um, is you're hyper vigilant about everything that's going on around you and you're reading into everyone that passes by you and you're creating scenarios Um, so I always go back to am I breathing in the center of my chest or am I breathing through my back body the space between my shoulder blades can I feel the um, bottom rib cage you know um, expanding and contracting am I Obviously, breath is a three-dimensional practice, so your your body's literally ballooning out and in. And maybe I feel stuck in some pl- spots. Maybe I'm stuck in my right rear side, like towards my kidneys. Mm-hmm. That tells me something. Oh, that could be the coffee that I had, right? Which I'm mm-hmm. not supposed to have, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, or maybe it's um, a pain on my left hand, front side, right? And these are the things that I think about that helps me ground down into where I am right now. So in our yoga practice, we talk about the first pose, always Tadasana, right? mm-hmm. in, a, in a salutation. Mm-hmm. And it's such a powerful pose. Where are you standing in right now? How are you standing? How are you showing up? Not for anyone else, for yourself. And you just get to stand there and breathe and literally feel all five toes down to the floor, or if you're seated, have your sits bone on a seat. How does that feel? Are you even from left to right side? Are your shoulders hunched forward, hunched back, like chest puffed forward, right? Mm -hmm. Where's your head? Is your head in text neck position? Is it pulled back? You know, I wear glasses so and big frame glasses because I love the style of it. So Mm -hmm. I usually find myself peering down my nose like the snooty librarian, right? (laughs) And um, I need to check myself with that because that changes my breath pattern. And that changes how I show up for me. And it also changes how people receive that posture. And I have to be aware of that. So being aware with me starts in the morning, after prayer, seven minutes. Get clear. Am I good with me today? Is that hip really bothering me? Is that shoulder really bothering me? And then after seven minutes, whatever I was dealing with, I let it go. Mm. So whatever the processing that I was doing and just checking where my body's in place. Oh yeah, my body's like that because I slept this way. Or no, you know what, it's, my chest is hurting me because there's that thing that I need to get off of it. I need to say this to this person. How am I gonna get that you know, intention across? And then I let it go immediately at seven minutes. My chimes go off and it's like, I'm renewed. And I have to say that to myself, I'm renewed. Whatever it was that was harping on me, that was holding me, that was grasping onto me, that was holding me down or anchoring me down, I can fly free now. Mm -hmm. It does not need to hold on to me much longer. Um, And so I go on throughout the day and I set up a one o'clock practice, same thing. Seven minutes. And I do the same thing exactly at five, seven minutes. And um, those are the times when I find like, A, I'm at the peak time of the day, right? The most most productive part of the day for me is between 10 and two. Uh And so at one o'clock, stopping to pause gives me a chance to reflect, where was I being abrasive? Where was I being harsh to myself and to others, right? Mm-hmm. Where can I make more um, amends or extend my handout out, out of like, hey, I appreciate what you do. Maybe we could do something together and collaborate somewhere. It gives me a chance to make it right between the moment I walk in at 8.30 or get a log on at 8.30 and one o'clock. So no one's harboring feelings too long, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then I do the same thing at five o'clock for work because I wanna make sure that no one goes home like how I have lived my life. I've gone home. Completely triggered by what other people have done and wanting to save something to people and it's been disturbing my spiritual practice and my physical practice and my being my mental being And so I realized that I cannot separate those three things I have to continue doing my spiritual practice throughout the day Mm -hmm. So that I can be good with me and I could be good for others. That's how I stay accountable to what my values are
0: Yeah Thank you, I appreciate your drawing the connection between um, you and others and you and your community. I think, sometimes, um, I think sometimes self-care can get a bad rap because it can seem like, it's like, oh, you're just thinking about yourself, but it's really this idea that to the extent that you are feeling aware of your breath, aware of what's on your mind, Aware of how you want to show up, then that allows you to interact with others from a place of more equanimity. So there is that connection there. So talk to me a little bit about. um, You know, I've been thinking about. It's. I feel like it's a weird question to say. um, Try to bring the idea of spirituality to racism, but what I mean by that is, what is the disconnect that's happening? when we see the type of thing that we saw with that policeman and George Floyd? Like, what is the disconnect that's happening when we see racist acts being perpetrated?
1: Yeah, you know, um, it's happening on multiple layers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The disconnect is not just um, the individual whose knee is on that person's neck. It's the disconnect happened from the moment of Approach that this person must be bad, so they must be treated poorly. Mm. um, That's a disconnect, right? Um, It must be, I'm always sat there, and not because I'm empathizing with the person who um, had his knee on his neck, but what happened to you, bro? You know, that That you felt that that was okay as a human being to another human being you've lost your spiritual oneness a long time before you met george floyd Mm -hmm. um the disconnect of wearing a uniform gives you a certain priority and hierarchy over every other civilian you're losing your humanness you're losing your spiritualness right Mm -hmm. i think these systems are built that way on purpose And I think these systems need to find a new way, a revolutionary way to integrate their purpose with humanity. And there's been an incredible disconnect with that. So the system does not allow spirituality to come about. And I can say this same concept happens in the financial system, happens in the criminal justice system, happens in the healthcare system, that this hierarchy, that the person I'm talking to is not a real person. There's something to use or abuse. And then I get to go home and get paid for it. That's a problem. Uh And I think that we don't, we as individuals get to, as an individual person, I get to say, the buck stops here because I can't stand for that anymore. Because I'm grounded in the spiritual practice where I do see everyone as whole, I can't come at you that way.
0: Yeah, so much of what you said, I just that the that the training is such that it creates that disconnect as well sure. of people. Yeah. You know, they're not people; they're civilians. They're not people; they're mm-hmm possible suspects you know yeah. um They're you know yeah. when when this happened um i want to say it was 2016 with philando castile i <sighs> had had enough and was trying to think of okay well from my dharma what can i do you know mm-hmm. i feel like i'm meant to be bringing and supporting the teachings getting out into the world and so when I think about what can a meditation teacher do to affect change, you know, aside from the usual things like vote and write your congressperson, mm-hmm. um, what can I do? I was like, okay, well, maybe I can support police officers in med and learning to meditate because if they can interrupt their bias, like if exactly. meditation allows you to, um, make the unconscious conscious, then that would help them to interrupt their bias. And I thought, oh, well, maybe that will be a thing that can help. And, you know, it was, it was an interesting situation. There's so many barriers to enacting that kind of process. And mm-hmm. while, you know, the police in my district were very helpful at the end of the day, if it's not woven into their day, and if it's not woven into their training Bingo. Then it's an add-on, and That's so I great. got one or two people. But the truth is, you know, when it's an add-on, people want to go home when they're done working, and That's so right. yeah. it just there really is. I just wanted to, I just wanted to kind of snaps to that part about it's in, it's in the culture, it's in the training, um and and that has to be a place.
1: That's where the change is going to happen because these, yeah. I don't believe that the per- the pe- these people who are killing. Uh, innocent civilians, in my eyes, because to me, killing people at that kind of rate, right? Mm. Whatever they done, for a $20 bill that was possibly counterfeit, not worth killing that man for, right? Mm. Um, at the end of the day, when they take off their their uniform, it's almost as if they're taking off their cape, just like I was talking about when I take off my cape and I have to stop being super, super woman for everyone, right? Um, I know some great police officers who tell me constantly they are underneath a system that that's what you're talking about. Sounds great, but it won't work as long as I'm in blue. This is the way it works. And then when I take off my uniform, I choose to be somebody different. And, And I'm like, wow, that's, that's someone pulling you away. That's a system that's pulling you away from your own spirituality for a paycheck for a paycheck and pension and retirement and healthcare kind of yeah. thing. And then I say, wow, it's way bigger than the one individual police officer. It is a system that mm-hmm. is corrupt from the beginning. And all of that is the same conversation. How do we stop participating in the things that we know that are destructive and start participating in conversations and actions that are and that starts with a deep rooted inner work and spiritual practice.
0: Mhm. I love that. Yeah, and I also appreciate how you're drawing the line back to capitalism, too. I mean, you know, when you started seeing that, when you start seeing that, um, you know, cities are taking some of the money away from police and putting it back into services, when you see that school districts and colleges are, um, are ending their contracts, with the police, that's when you start seeing, um, oh, look, let's pass this bill. Let's change this thing. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's, I feel angry that it has to come to that. And yet that's, that's where we are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I, I mean, yes, it's, it's upsetting that we have to come to that, but I also look at the history of the United States and that has always been part of the culture.
0: yeah. If there's not
1: violence involved in it, it's not going to change. So drastic radical activities will get the attention to make change. And that's not something that I'm saying because I want to be that, you know, oh, she's just trying to be a radicalized person. No, it's just look at the history, right? The Boston PT Party was not a quiet protest. Yeah. It meant literally getting rid of getting to people's dollars, getting to people's grain, right? -hmm. Affecting that change when you stop the flow of money from organizations from the people to organizations, change happens quickly. Okay, so -hmm. it's not always about black and white. It sometimes is about the green. And if we're going to be spiritual beings on this planet, we need to do our spiritual practice and vote and move and organize and participate based off that spiritual practice to fight the roots of this racism and these Mm -hmm. injustices and we need
0: to move that by moving the green. Mhm. So when you think about equity, how would you describe equity from a spiritual lens? Like when I think about equity from a spiritual lens, I think about um this one um chant that I really love, um Poor Namada, Poor Namidam. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the whole translation of that is about, um, all this is full, all that is full from fullness, fullness comes when fullness is taken from fullness, fullness yet remains. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this, you know, I walk down the aisle to that because to me, it's like, that's what the ideal is to actually live that, to understand that each of us is an expression of this fullness Mm -hmm. and to treat ourselves and each other and the earth Mm -hmm. in that way. That to me is what equity would be from a spiritual lens. But I want to hear what, what you would say about that.
1: That's a fabulous question. I'm going to say that Mm -hmm. it's a little bit maybe controversial about my conversation about equity. Mm -hmm. I grew up Roman Catholic. And I grew up with the idea embedded in me. I went to, you know, baptism, communion, confirmation, taught CCD, that you won't have equity until you, until you surrender to Jesus Christ. And I'm, I've always, it always boggled me that why don't I have that wholeness for just being right here? <laughs> why can't i just start from a place of wholeness and that was always the disconnect for me which is why i did so much studying i went to fordham university a jesuit university and on my graduation my final year i converted to islam Mm. and um i converted to islam as i started a yoga practice and my yoga practice started with philosophy that you are full you are part of A bigger hole, but you are full because you are part of that bigger hole. And that was like baffling to me, but yet it felt so grounding. And I can just be me wholeheartedly and I will be fine. And I think for 20 years, I've struggled with what does me look like. And 20 years later, when I turned 37, I looked in the mirror and I said, Oh, this is what it looks like with my hair completely natural without wearing any additional adornments, this is what I have to accept as whole. Everything else will be just, you know, an adornment to. but I'm not less if I don't get my nails done. You know what I mean? I'm not less if I don't have this particular car. I'm not less if I don't have this particular title. I'm whole without all of that. Mm -hmm. That's not a message that most people receive in their life. I never got that message in my life. Like I've never heard that my from my parents. It was always not that you're not good enough, but I go home. My my dad was from Haiti, and he was a math kind of like scholar, engineer, and um, they're very big on math and science. You need to ace. I come home with a 92 on my math exam, and he's like, "What happened to the other eight points?" You know what I
0: mean? So (laughs) yeah, I do.
1: You know, and I'm like, "Damn, I still can't measure up," you know, and. Again, he never said you're not whole, you're not full, you're not. You know what I mean? You're not worthy. But those are the ways in which we communicate less than lack of not deserving. You know what Mm I mean? Yeah, I do. And um, this spiritual practice, when I read that coming from whole, was like. And I read that in Swami Ramas book, which is why I went to Himalayan Institute, (laughs) right? And I was like, wow, I want to be part of that kind of culture. Like I'm good just the way I I show up. And I don't need anything else and um so yeah so my spiritual practice shows up in that kind of way and I help others to maybe navigate that for themselves so I don't ever come up saying I have the answers I just have more questions and I hope through the questions people find their answers um yeah I
0: hope I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that we see it the same way. This, um, this fullness, this wholeness—that is a way to understand equity and, um, you know, creating both connecting with ourselves and others from that place. And then, as we're, as we are breaking down the systems that do not work, mm-hmm. and we're creating new systems. Um, creating it from that place and having the felt sense of that as we create it, that just feels so important to me.
1: Yeah. We've been embedded and ingrained with this concept that we're not whole because of the color of my skin. I'm not whole because of the neighborhood I grew up in. I'm not whole because I'm an immigrant. I'm not whole because of X, You know, so many plethora of reasons. And I had to really reevaluate. My last three years of my life, I'm 40 now, have been revolutionary like the most sane, the most comfortable, the most grounded years of my life because I go back and I say, wow, I come from a long line of survivors Mm -hmm. and they had way less than me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And my grandmother who helped raise me had 20 children, raised them all on a third grade education and off her farm profit, brought every child to America between 1972 and 1977. Wow. Like, I don't, I have no way I can complain about my, you know what I mean? (laughs) When I think about that, and she's someone who I was raised with who said, you have everything, everything you want, you can get it. You can do it. And I look at my parents who actually had to deal with tons of racism, spat at, You know, denied promotions, opened up their own businesses and their businesses were like rocks were thrown into the storefronts or, you know, cars were basically spray painted because you as an immigrant could not get that far. And I've always been here. How come you got further than me? And it's Mm -hmm. coming back to that conversation of, no, I'm good. Exactly where I am. This is my lane. This is my path. I'm good. You're good. I'm good. I accept you, I respect you, you accept me, you respect me. And that's also missing in our culture until we decide to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. And it's not just have conversations because both of us look alike. We have to cross the bridge and talk to people who don't look like us to come to an accord.
0: Yes. Yes, 100%. And I mean, I think that's the origin, as I understand it, that's the origin of Black Lives Matter is to say is like us speaking to us saying our lives matter, you know, that 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 was the first, that was why it was created. And also that, that society at large needs to understand that. But I definitely hear you that, um, you know, I think I'm doing a lot of reading right now just to see, you know, what's the conditioning that I received that i am not even aware of and Mm -hmm. how can I, um, unlearn that, so that I'm not continuing that same type of thing in my mind, you know? Right, right. Um, Because we all have to get any messages about one group of people being better than the other, we all have received Mm -hmm. that message and we all have to unlearn that message.
1: Yes, and that's where, going back to your first question, sitting down, especially Mm -hmm. during these uncertain times with... did I get that from Mm -hmm. yeah what made me think that I couldn't be worthy of asking like is that all you got when you know you go for a promotion and they give you a number and you're like can you do better Mm
0: mm-hmm yeah
1: can you do better than that and they're like oh absolutely I can do you mean it's like oh where did I muster that energy to do that or where was that where did I muster the energy to to state a number for speaking gigs or keynote, or to walk into a college, a private, mostly white college and say, I'm gonna help you teach yoga here, right? I'm gonna Mm -hmm. be adjunct faculty. Most people would say, you're a yoga teacher, won't you just stay with the studio? And I was like, absolutely not. I wanna implement change. That came from starting to work from the the spiritual practice of I'm whole and Mm -hmm. I have something to offer the world, Mm -hmm. not just my community. I can start there, but I can go, go into your community. I can go into that community and I can implement change and empower other people. And once I feel like, you know what, I've been empowered and I've empowered them, I'm moving on. I don't have to stay here. I got to keep growing. Mm -hmm. That conversation of equity comes from the, from the, from that idea that the ground is level for all of us. Mm -hmm. Now, whether you validate Now I think sometimes we, as people, and I'm going to say this for myself, I have validated my oppressors by making them, by making myself believe that they have something over me, Mm -hmm. that they have, oh no, you shouldn't get that raise because you've only been doing this for two years or whatever case, maybe I'm going back to my banking days and I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. But Mm -hmm. what I brought to the table was more than what everyone else on the team did so I was do that raise I was do that promotion right because I'm doing something for the bottom line that you're not and that is being grounded in your wholeness knowing what you bring to the table and I sometimes believe that in my life I fell for the okey-doke because I didn't believe I was ever operating at whole at 100% and I never believed that for a time in my life that I deserve that I deserved better And that spiritual practice that meditation practice because i used to think meditation was just sit longer (laughs) sit longer and it'll get better (laughs) i mean suffer Mm -hmm. and it'll get better and the truth of the matter was the suffering was not doing that inner conversation Mm -hmm. and um relinquishing your body mind and spirit from all those precepts that weren't yours to hold
0: Yeah, I appreciate your bringing in there is an element of practice that I notice as I as life goes on of reflection, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like in my 20s. It was like Asana, Asana, Asana. And then I've always been a writer and a journaler, but I think um, getting more into contemplation and reflection and inquiry um, is a really helpful um, addition. To just the whatever the practice is, whether you're meditating, whether you're praying, whether you're, you know, my husband's um, says that his church is nature, you know, whether you're mm-hmm. hiking and that's how you're touching that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many different ways that people access that deeper reality. Mm-hmm. And, um, but all of those ways I think benefit from. From reflection, as a as a part of the practice, for sure. So, um, my final question is a question of you know dreaming. I really do believe that um, if you can dream it, you can create it. And Mm -hmm. so, from your perspective, um, what does our collective liberation look like?
1: Our collective liberation looks like. I always go back to, I mean, I get the image every time. If anyone on your call gets a chance to see Himalayan Institute in Holmesdale, Pennsylvania, that to me is like the collective liberation where everyone in that ashram has a purpose and every purpose needs to be fulfilled to help everybody else out. There is no I in any role that's there. You have people there who have to do the garden work so that we can get the food to eat right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are people there who are cooking the food, who take that same scraps and then recycle it back to the earth. I mean, it's such a beautiful give and take there. There are people who live on um, the ashram who take care of the bees so they can have honey in the fall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's someone out there who's at the at the desk, um, who's checking somebody in, who's welcoming them from a long ride. Where did you come in from? Let me show you where your, your new home is going to be where you'll be resting your head for the night Mm -hmm. um that is collective liberation where everybody has a role and instead of thinking about i it's about the goodness of the whole Mm -hmm. and if we thought about this earth as whole right Mm -hmm. we'd probably think twice about many of our actions that we're doing that is destroying our earth our wholeness and if we can do this to this earth I know we can do this to ourselves. So collective liberation is literally making. For me right now, it's calling my friends up and saying, "Hey, at 7 p.m., do you want to do you want to meditate together? Just sit in silence. Let's journal and reflect afterwards and connect." Mm-hmm. Um, it's making that time to not just do your practice, but pull people in who are looking for answers. For connectivity for integration and maybe not giving them the answers but giving them a space to find answers mm-hmm. um, and then let the revolution birth from these answers and move forward with what feels good what feels right that's what collective liberation looks like because if I start walking around this earth and more of us start walking around this earth with no intentions of I need to hurt someone today I need to hurt someone with a bat because I have a badge because the system gives me a quota right Mm -hmm. because they're incentivized to actually hurt people economically and or physically right Mm -hmm. Um, then we can actually then police the people who are of the mindset of oh no you don't deserve to be here oh no I don't well let me help you educate yourself sit down with me at 7 p.m. and let us meditate together and it's amazing how many people sit there and crying and in tears and tons of emotion because they never made space. I'm thinking about the Ahmad Arbery. Mm-hmm. Again, I go back to the people who hurt people, like what happened to you yeah. to make you think that that was good, that was cool? Like what happened in your body that said, you know what, I can do that. I don't see him as human. <laughs> yeah. There's the disconnect. That's the information that I want. And that was that moment, if I can revert back in time into that person's life, that was the moment for change. That was the moment where you can say, hey, whatever your name is, sit down and meditate with me. Sit down and let's work through that inner work, where deconstruct where all that stuff comes from. Because that person who hurts people, they're not whole either. They think they are, because they have physical prowess over others, but inside they're not. They're actually quite weak. People who have these biases and want to act out on these biases because they feel a sense of superiority and supremacy, you're actually quite less whole. You're very weak. And that's the moment where you can actually grow and liberate yourself from the ideals that you also have been fed, right? That are not true.
0: Mm -hmm. Hmm. I appreciate your. That your dream of collective liberation is the actual lived experience of our interconnectedness, um, that one person farms and another person cooks what's farmed, and then mm-hmm. someone else takes that and puts it back into the earth and um, I love the having experienced that beauty at himalayan institute and and other times of just you know. Being traveling with people is another time that you kind of form this nucleus where everyone is doing for each other. Mm. Um, I appreciate that 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 feels like something that we could create and it takes time and it takes work and a whole lot of unlearning. Um, but may we have the desire to step into a more just world and understand that our liberation is all bound up in each other's.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that that means sometimes we need to also be brave mm-hmm. in our spiritual practice. We need to extend a hand. There's this message out there that I'm in my spiritual practice and you're not and so therefore I don't need to extend a hand and I think mm-hmm. that there's room to extend a hand always. Mm-hmm always. And maybe that's the call, you know, like you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? That that uh-huh. phrase is they're shouting that you don't matter and all lives matter and all the other rhetoric that they don't see our pain from uh-huh. because they are really looking to be part of a community. They they don't understand, they want to understand, and sometimes it's going to take some of us to be brave enough to say, "Hey, I see that you don't see me, but I'd like for you to see me. Can I extend a hand to you?" and let's meet in a neutral place and let's just learn from one another. And we can break down or deconstruct all those reasons why you look at me as other and you're gonna see me more of same.
0: Wonderful. Ah, Well, thank you so much for coming on. You and your pup who I can hear. What's that pup's name?
1: That's Snoopy. Snoopy.
0: Hi, Snoopy. (laughs) Super cute. (laughs) Sounds very content. I like it. (laughs) Um, So Janessa, if people want to work with you or get in touch with you to learn more about your offerings, where would you like them to go?
1: They can reach me at JanessaMondestin.com. You can also find me on uh, Instagram at Janessa Mondestin. And um, a lot of times I meet people who think that because of all these titles that I hold that I'm inaccessible and and I don't want to message her. You can always message me and I'll
0: I'll answer you back. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure being with you today.
1: Same here. Thank you.
0: Great. Thank you, listeners. Have a great day.